We know what Bitcoin is. We know that we must secure the keys to our kingdom. We understand the basics of transactions, how the hash wall protects us from a corruption of the past, and how consensus defends the present. And we know how the node is at the center of making us sovereign in our place in the Bitcoin ecosystem. Now it's time for lightning to strike. This is Bitcoin Basics Episode 6, The Lightning Network. I am Guy Swan, and this is Bitcoin Audible. What is up, guys? Welcome back to Bitcoin Audible. I'm Guy Swan, the guy who has read more about Bitcoin than anybody else you know. And we are getting into the basics series again with the most requested by far episode, The Lightning Network. And I really think our foundation of the node and what the node is doing is going to help us make sense of how it is that we can keep um, our presence, how we can securely use Lightning. And I'm going to go over, I'm going to give kind of a brief, really high-level view of my Lightning workshop that I do at BitBlockBoom. But I'm not going to go into the hardcore details of the script and exactly how it works. I'm basically going to give the conclusion or just the relationship that the custom transaction that uh, Lightning allows and why it is able to create a new network on top of Bitcoin. And of course, I'll explain what the hell that even means. <laughs> um but really quick, let's thank our sponsors for the show today, and then we will jump in. This show is brought to you by Swan Bitcoin, the best onboarding in the Bitcoin space. And do not forget that you can, in minutes, set up a Swan IRA and start allocating tax-free to a Bitcoin, a long-term Bitcoin retirement plan. It is also brought to you by CoinKite the makers of the cold storage solution that you're going to want to keep your Bitcoin safe. The cold card hardware wallet, and you can get 9% off with my code Bitcoin Audible, is one of the most versatile, longest running, secure, uh, cypherpunk hardware wallets in the space. And do not forget that you can get tap signers, you can get open dimes, you can get the block clock. There are so many products at the CoinKite store to check out. Um, definitely do so if you haven't. My link is right there in the show notes. And lastly, Fold, the debit card that gets you sats back on everything in your life. And they have a new, they have just changed their spin and reward system. And I really think it's actually really, really clever. I'm getting used to it right now, but I'm really excited. And we're going to talk about it at the middle sponsor slot of this show. And if you sign up with my link in the show notes, you'll help out the show as well which is much, much appreciated. And also, you should do yourself a favor and get yourself a debit card that pays you sats back. I mean, you, that, that's just obvious. All right. So what is the Lightning Network? How do we... Let's just work on imagining what the Lightning Network is. So for 
the internet. I, you know, I like to use particularly in the Noster example because everybody seems to have an affiliation or, excuse me, a familiarity with podcasting and the fact that you have like a feed and a bunch of different clients. Like you can go to any podcast app and the same podcasts are there. Um, well, uh, a good way to think about Lightning is to think about the internet and then something like email or honestly or podcasting. Any of the many or BitTorrent. That's another great example. These things are protocols that these are new networks built on top of the internet itself. So TCP IP, the heart of the internet, is a protocol for connecting to devices together. But then to send somebody an email is very different from establishing a TCP IP connection, is establishing an internet connection with them. But it is an entirely separate network. You have email addresses and you find and connect to people by their address, which, you know, with which would be Bob's inbox at gmail.com. Gmail is providing them an address and then you're using the email protocol to route your to get your message to them. Now, when your device is connecting on the Internet, you're using an IP address. You ever see the 192.168.1.0 or whatever it is that you know, you're connecting to on your local network? Well, that's a, that's a small local example of what's happening on the broader internet. If you've ever looked at your um, actual internet address, it might be like a 142 or a 10 dot something. But essentially what it is, those, those separate address spaces, the 192.168.1.50, is really just a hierarchy of how to find someone on the network of computers. It's just not really geographically. Um, I mean, there's like a mild geograph geographic like connection to things, but it's very, very much like country, state, city, street, except it's different zones on the on the network on the hierarchy of computers and devices the billions of devices connected to the internet and all of the different routes that are possible so a 10.1.50.90 would be 10 is where you are on the biggest zones like like where are you in the network and then one segment down where are you in the sub network and then the sub network and then which device are you on the smallest part of the network so it's really just instructions on how to find a device now, when, you're in, when your device connects to the internet and you're connected to this hierarchy of, you know, networks and sub-networks that are interconnected around the globe, well, then if you wanted to send a particular, it's, it's data agnostic. It doesn't care what kind of packets you're sending. It, it doesn't even have any idea what anything is. It's a quote-unquote dumb network. All it does is establish connections and send packets. Those packets can be anything. They can be streaming internet, uh, video, uh, they can be, it can be money, it can be Bitcoin uh, packets, it can be a cryptographically secured packet, it can be encrypted, it can be unencrypted, it can be um, images, it can be text, whatever. It, it doesn't care and it doesn't know. So, if you wanted a way to delineate just text and you wanted to be able to send it to someone in a human-readable fashion... You create a new set of rules, a new protocol on top of it that's specifically about blocks of text 
or data in some explicit structure or way with an explicit type of address and a way to find this this particular user like bob's inbox at gmail.com it's running on the internet but it is its own set of software rules at the exact same time well in that same way or in a very similar way at least lightning runs on top of bitcoin now going back to transactions is uh, we know that a transaction is just a simple set of instructions where uh, someone sent a transaction to me uh, you know, somebody sent me one Bitcoin and then I'm sending you one Bitcoin because I'm a very generous person. And obviously I just have bukus of Bitcoin to just hand out to people. And uh, so, so, so somebody sends Bitcoin to me and they lock it with my public key. And the transaction out, my transaction to you is as simple as me signing it to unlock the lock that says it, owned, uh, it belongs to me. And then basically just writing a message that says, well, now it belongs to you behind this lock. So I've just unlocked it from my address and I've locked it to yours. Very simple. It used to own, I used to own it. Now you own it. However, these instructions are a programming language. It's referred to as script. And it's not super broad because you don't want it to be super broad. If it can do millions of different things, the, the more things that it can do, the more likely it is that something terrible could go wrong. Because just like a general computer, you can write all sorts of malware and Trojan horses and viruses and surveillance things. You can write all this stuff into code and people can download it and execute it. You don't want anybody being, being able to do that on the Bitcoin network. So the... The number of things that you can do is purposefully very restricted, but you can still do a lot with it. And just like the internet has a great many different protocols and separate networks built on top of it, for, and a, a good way to s explain this is a separate network is that even though somebody might be on the internet, like you could be on the internet and I can be on the internet at the same time, but I can't send you an email if you don't also have an email address. Like you have to set up an email address specifically to participate in the email protocol. Um, and another, another actually more obvious but more uh, ubiquitous so that it kind of becomes invisible uh, protocol on top of the internet is the web itself, is HTTP and HTML. Originally, the, the internet didn't have, you couldn't surf the internet. Like the internet wasn't, it was just straight text through a command line. We had to design an entirely new protocol on top of it that allowed you to click on, like, to visually experience the web and to create hypertext where you could click on a link, you could click on a word, and it would take you to a completely different location in the network and display whatever information they had available there. That was a freaking breakthrough in internet history. Like, that was what turned the internet, which was already 20 years old at the time, or, I mean, arguably it's like 19, mid 1970s somewhere, you know, it's original, it's exact birth date is hard to say. Um, this was like mid 1990, like 1992, 1993, like the web browser. So going back to lightning, just like if you don't set up an email address, if you, you can't like talk to anybody on email, um, or you don't have a web browser, you can't go to the web. Um, Similar to that, if you do not have a Lightning-enabled wallet, 
You can't receive or send lightning transactions. However, what is the benefit? Like why, why have another network? So again, going back to transactions, they take like 10 minutes or 20 minutes or maybe even an hour to confirm. So when I send, and there's a very, very limited scaling uh, capacity. Like if I'm sending you a base transaction on the base level, on the base layer of Bitcoin, you can only really fit like 3,000 ish, 3,500, maybe 4,000 if it's really efficient um, uh, transactions into the Bitcoin block. There's a specific limit to how large it can be for the sake of spam protection. So that, uh, again, if, you, if you're running a node, you have to check the entire history. So if the history is 20 terabytes of information, well, then nobody runs a node and we're right back to Amazon. You know, going back to our example from the node episode of like everybody at the conference is running their own node and deciding what Bitcoin is. Well, if there's only one person in the room who has a computer enough, big enough to run it, well, then everybody just trusts that person and we're right back to the current financial system. It doesn't do us any good anymore. So we have to limit the base layer. It's And a good way to think about it is that the... The, there's a trade-off between the security and the assurance and the ability to secure and know everything and audit everything about the Bitcoin network yourself and the ability to um, send transactions easily and cheaply. Um, so the analogy I like to give is that a single Bitcoin transaction on the base layer, a, a standard Bitcoin transaction, is like driving around in a tank. It is insanely secure. After confirmation, you just have it. It is in your cold storage. You know, it's like having your own bank vault in your house. It is, it is a giant, bulky, ultra-secure transaction. But doing that day to... Using that every day, like going to the grocery store or running out to get some coffee or, uh, you know, taking a cruise down to your local park or something, you wouldn't do that in a tank. You know, you might do that in a car. You might do it in a, on a bicycle, for crying out loud. You might walk. There's no reason to go, like, sure, it's more secure to go everywhere in a tank because then you don't have to worry about anything, basically. But there is, it obviously makes no practical sense to do that. And so we build the Lightning Network, which trades off a little bit of security in order to get instant and super cheap transactions. So how does it do this? Going back to the instructions and the script that you can write into a Bitcoin transaction. Instead of just writing, let's say we've got that one Bitcoin between you and I. Instead of just writing a, uh, you own it, I used to own it, now you own it transaction. What if I wrote a transaction that said, we both own it together. And unless both you and I sign it, it doesn't move. Now we've got an interesting dynamic because we can say just in the channel, just between you and me, we can make an agreement that says you own 0.2 and I own 0.8. Whereas on the Bitcoin network, it's simply one Bitcoin in one address, but it just so happens to be locked with both of our keys. So it can't move unless we both agree on how to leave that address and who owns what. Now, this is extremely trustworthy, an extremely trusted situation, because if you just, I mean, hell, if you died um, or just lost your keys or something, well, then holy crap, I can't get my Bitcoin back. 
and for no other reason, like something happened with you, that would be terrible and vice versa, obviously. So another thing that we can do in this script is have another branch. So we can have essentially multiple options for how to leave this address. We can say, if both of us sign, okay, great. If only one of us signs, well, then there's a waiting period. Let's say a week, which gives the other person, if I do this and you are around and I sign and try to leave the transaction, I try to leave this address with more Bitcoin than we agreed on, well, then I explicitly, the only way for me to get it back with just my signature is to give you time to come in and contest what I am removing from the address. So it's like using Bitcoin as a court system in order to verify that the agreement that we make in this both of us own it uh, balance is in fact the correct one. And then there's a third branch and without getting too into the weeds here because I'm starting to get a little complicated, the simple fact is there is a way to create transactions, to write and sign transactions offline. You don't actually broadcast them to the chain. So a good way to think about this is that I can have a transaction from my wallet. Like I've got, a, I've got an address with that one Bitcoin back originally. I'm the only one who owns it. I sign that transaction and send it to you and I broadcast it to the Bitcoin network. Then it gets confirmed in a block. But I don't have to do that. I don't have to broadcast it. I can just sign it. I can sign it and give it to you. And I still have the Bitcoin. But you have a transaction that at any moment that you wanted to, that you could broadcast to the time chain, to the network, and now it would be in your address. But you can hang on to it. You can hang on to it. You have a signed transaction that would withdraw that one Bitcoin from my ownership to yours, but we can hang on to it. You can hold it for a week before you broadcast it to the network. Now, in that time, obviously, uh, I can take that Bitcoin somewhere else and now your transaction isn't any good. But what if I had a week-long time lock on that address that says I can't spend it for a week? And then I give you the transaction that says that you can take it. Well, now for a week, you can hang on to it and you don't have to worry about anything because I can't move it yet. And all you need to do is broadcast it, is send it out to the network so that it can be included in all the nodes and it can be mined uh, with the hash wall protecting it from ever being altered again. All you need to do is broadcast it sometime in that weak zone and that Bitcoin is yours and there's nothing I can do to prevent you because I am locked out of that address for that week. So think about the dynamic there is that for that week, technically, the Bitcoin is in my wallet. It is behind my keys and my address. But as far as control goes, you're the only one that has the ability to move it. So there's a final trick with the Lightning. This is a, this is a key part to the Lightning Network and how we are able to make transactions off-chain without going to the Bitcoin base layer, but on top of the Lightning Network. They're instant and uh, instantly settled and are really, really cheap because they don't need to be stored on everybody's node. They can be update, updated 10 times, 100 times, 1,000 times, a million times without ever going back to the Bitcoin base layer 
to have another confirmation or to change the address that they are in because we can just keep doing this updating between you and I with this one Bitcoin address. Like, you know, one day I own 0.8 and you own 0.2, then in, then I own 0.7 and you own 0.3, and then I own 0.1 and you own 0.9, and then suddenly I own 0.5 and you own 0.5. Like, we can just keep passing it back and forth um, and doing business together because of these little tricks. And the final trick is there is a mechanism and it's probably too complicated to do in audio. It's complicated to wrap your head around even in visuals, actually. Um, but uh, to suffice it to say, the simplest way to understand it is that you can put these transactions in order so that the latest one, the last one that the two of us signed, will replace any other one in the history of these transactions. So it basically makes them invalid. So if I sign a transaction that says, again, these are not broadcasted. These are just transactions that we keep quietly offline in our separate lightning wallets that are signed and ready to broadcast. We can take them to chain anytime that we want. And we've got one Bitcoin in this address and originally it was mine. And then I send 0.2 Bitcoin to you. So now we have a signed, ready to broadcast transaction that... Um, that either one of us can leave with or either one of us can take the Bitcoin out of this address except that it is only explicitly signed that says I get 0.8 of it and you get 0.2 of it. And this is essentially labeled as transaction one. Then maybe two days later, we want to update this again. I want to send another 0.1 to you. So now we write a new transaction where uh, we can both leave this address and I can only leave with 0.7, and you can only leave with 0.3. We sign it, and we both hold on to it. Again, nobody broadcasts. According to Bitcoin, it's still just one Bitcoin in this one address behind both of our keys. But we labeled this new transaction, Transaction 2. Now here's where the real magic of Lightning takes place that makes it a trustless or highly trust-minimized system, is that... I still have the sign, like, this is just data, right? We're just keep exchanging these things. So I still have a signed transaction in my little transaction history that I can broadcast that says I get 0.8 and you get 0.2. Whereas the current state of things is that I get 0.7 and you get 0.3. Maybe I don't like that that's the case anymore and I want my 0.8 instead of my 0.7. And so with only my signature, I send out, which requires me to have that wait time because you haven't agreed to do this with me. I send out the transaction that says I have 0.8 and you have 0.2. I try to get my 0.1 Bitcoin back. Well, now I have to wait a week and that transaction is invalidated because it's transaction number one, it's invalidated by transaction number two. The one that says 0.7, I get 0.7 and you get 0.3. So all you have to do is within that week, broadcast yours and I will not be able to get my 0.8. It will be invalidated by your newer transaction. Now there's a really, really clever cryptographic trick in this where what I have to do 
to update the transaction with you to go from the first one to the second one in this little off-chain agreement that we have, I have to expose myself to losing everything in transaction one in order to update to transaction two. So why wouldn't I just broadcast the one where I get 0.8 if all that's going to happen is you're going to just replace it with the one that says 0.7? Well, it's not simply that I get the correct amount. It's that I forfeit all of my coins in the address. So if I try to lie, if I try to cheat and go back in our little private history of transactions and publish the first transaction that says I have 0.8, I don't get 0.7 because you replace it. I get nothing. You get all of the Bitcoin that I have on my side in our little channel because I tried to cheat. Thus, cheating is extremely costly. So the way that I like to describe what is happening in the little script that is put together to create a lightning channel is what it's referred to. Um, uh, the lightning balance, a lightning transaction, a, a lightning channel between you and I with this one Bitcoin is that we are writing a, um, a, a box. Of, we are putting both of our money into a box where we can constantly update who owns what inside the box without actually having to change anything that's in the box. And in this sense, we don't have to go back to Bitcoin and do an on-chain transaction and wait 10 minutes for a confirmation and participate in the consensus network. We have our own little private consensus as to what is in the box. However, on the Bitcoin chain, on the Bitcoin system, we write a set of instructions that has a time lock if somebody is, one of the parties is not there. So there is a wait period, that one week wait period, where if somebody else doesn't show up, I can still get my coins. And we have an insurance clause that says if someone tries to uh, broadcast anything to send, to retrieve coins from this, that we have invalidated in a transaction earlier in this arrangement that we have, that I will forfeit all of my coins or vice versa. You will forfeit all of your coins in this arrangement by trying to reverse our private history. And each one of us independently will have a week in order to punish the other one for cheating. Here's the thing, is that if that week goes by and you don't go online, you don't notice it, you don't publish your side of the transaction, that old one is valid. It's considered valid. It relies on you to enact the punishment. This is where running your own node comes in. You have to be able to watch the Bitcoin network and know that you are watching the valid Bitcoin network in order to see if an on-chain transaction, a, a base layer transaction is coming in that is trying to withdraw from your lightning channel. And as long as you do that, well, you can pretty much know that I'm not going to cheat because that would be very costly for me and vice versa. So we can keep updating these uh, transactions in this little black box hundreds of thousands of times, millions of times, infinitely, indefinitely. We can keep this open and keep this money in this black box and we can do secure, instant, essentially free transactions without ever really having to trust each other. So you get the speed of like a Google spreadsheet of just a private database, except you have the security of the Bitcoin network as your as your court 
to if anyone tries to cheat each other in this arrangement. And then there's a last piece of magic is that this is just between you and me, right? Like I might not want to do business with you or I might only want to buy something from you once. I don't want to open up a channel. Well, the really cool thing is that you can tie these channels together. So let's say you and I have a channel with one Bitcoin. Then you and Bob have a channel with one Bitcoin. And Bob and Starbucks has a channel with one Bitcoin. Well, we can actually use the same same mechanism from me to you, you to Bob, and from Bob to Starbucks and lock it all with my key so that I can securely pay you in our black box, you can securely, securely pay Bob in your black box, and Bob can securely pay Starbucks in their black box. And I have effectively paid Starbucks through two other people on the network. And thus, you have a network. You have a lightning network. Now, there's a lot of different explorers and visualizers that try to map out because the Lightning Network has its own way of identifying where uh, channels are and where nodes are. And all these nodes are constantly sharing information about the Lightning Network side of things. Like, you know, like I would uh, broadcast that, you know, I have one Bitcoin in a channel and that that means I am available. I have liquidity in order to move Bitcoin on the Lightning Network so that if Starbucks wanted to pay somebody and they paid back through Bob uh, and then through you and then through me to somebody else, to my family member or to Fold or something because I have a channel with them, well, my node is basically signaling, I have a channel here and I have some capacity. Why don't you check? Why don't you see if this route uh, will be able to fulfill your payment? And because of that, we can make a map of the entire Lightning Network except that there are a lot of private nodes. There are a lot of quote-unquote dark nodes. Uh, the last estimation, you know, basically people who don't want to route. Like, like let's say Bob has a channel with you and, and a channel with Starbucks, and they just literally want to be able to spend like a mobile, a mobile node. You don't want them to be routing because if you don't have your mobile app open, it's not going to be able to route for somebody. So somebody might waste a lot of time trying to send a payment through your node while your phone's off and in your pocket. Well, that would be a waste of resources. That'd be a waste of time trying to see if, you know, you were available. So uh, there are there are nodes that are like kind of like listen only. They, they don't want to participate in the routing network. They just want to be connected into the network so that they can send and receive payments. And because of that, uh, the last estimate that I saw, it's really hard to, it's not entirely obvious to discern where those private nodes or the, the non-routing nodes all are on the network. Like some of them are easy to just ping, uh, but a lot of them aren't. And then some institutions, like let's say Bitfinex is a huge exchange and then Kraken is a big exchange and you know River and now Swan is even trying to, uh, is going to have lightning integration uh, these services might want to have big channels with other services that users will constantly send payments or um, they want to do big trades back and forth between like large liquidity for people who are buying or selling Bitcoin in large amounts. 
While it would be really great if Bitfinex could settle with Swan or Prime Trust or River, or, you know, all of these different institutions can bounce money around really, really quick. And maybe they don't want those to be routed with a bunch of grocery purchases. They want those specifically, those channels, to be private amongst those handful of institutions. Well, you can create your own little secluded private network, just like on your local network, on your home, like at, at your house. You have a bunch of different devices, and you can make like a VPN network with your friends or somebody in like a private chat or uh, on a video game server or something where you're running and you're playing a video game by yourselves. Like you can segment off these networks. Well, you can do the exact same thing in Lightning. And because of that, it's not really... Every node might have like a slightly different view of what Lightning, the Lightning Network looks like. They'll tell you, oh, there's this many channels, and then you go to a different one and it says, no, there's actually this many channels, and it's like slightly different. Well, that's part of the reason. But then also, there's just, if you just ping the network, there's going to be a large portion of it that just doesn't respond, that, that doesn't want to participate, and is just is simply there to have access to be able to send payments whenever they need it. And like I said, the last estimate um, was, I think, a third of the network. So if you go to like amboss.space or one of the main visualizers right now, you'll probably get somewhere between maybe 70,000 to 80,000 channels connections in this network. But it's probably more like 100,000 or a little bit more based on the rough estimate of how many simply don't respond if you are pinging the network for channels. But honest, honestly, that's not really all that important. Um, and one of my favorite visualizers right now, I cannot find the one that I made the image for in my Lightning Network workshop, which I love. It's so cool looking. Um, and it's just fascinating to see this massive web of just all these different nodes and all of these different connections and the spider web of channels from one to the other. And the fact that payments can just flow from any node to any other in this network is just fascinating. Something about visualizers and things like this that I just nerd out on so hard. Uh, but uh, probably lnrouter.app is one that I think is really cool uh, right now and is very similar to my favorite one that I cannot find at the moment, but I know I have a link of it saved somewhere in my notes. So either way, I will have these links available in the show notes so that you can check it out if you want to do a little exploring yourself. So that, I hope, makes a little bit of sense as to what Lightning is, why you are able to make transactions that are not on the Bitcoin chain, but are in fact Bitcoin transactions, and that settle instantly, and that cost next to nothing because all you're doing is updating these private ledgers between all of these individual parties and uh and so you know what's what does it cost to just update and sign these transactions but that they are also still secure it is still your owned bitcoin because you are the one who has the right to move it just like if i sent you a broadcasted transaction if i sent you a signed transaction excuse me um and you didn't send it to the bitcoin network you could just hang on to it but I still had a time lock, so I couldn't move the coins. Technically, the coins are in my address, but technically you are the only one with the power to move them. This is roughly the situation in a lightning channel that only the valid user, only the valid payment can withdraw the money. 
And if anyone tries to withdraw from these arrangements, if Starbucks or Bob or you or I ever try to take an invalid transaction in the history all the way back to number one and broadcast it to get some Bitcoin back, well, then you can always invalidate it and get any coins that I have in our joint black box as punishment, as my agreed upon punishment for cheating. And thus, we have a global, decentralized, non-custodial, instant, and insanely cheap Bitcoin payments network. I'll tell you the biggest aha moment that I had in Bitcoin post-Bitcoin was when I read the Lightning Network white paper in 2015. I and it took me a couple of times through it to really wrap my head around what was going on and how these different pieces of the script worked. But it was fascinating. And it's, it's the perfect example of a smart contract on Bitcoin that enables something that isn't possible just with a clever set, a clever game theory of scripts and signed transactions and relationships in it that creates an entirely new ecosystem, an entirely new network on top of it. And uh, so I think that covers the basics. I am a huge geek when it comes to Lightning. I use it all the time. And I highly recommend, if you have not dabbled, I believe within the next year or two, this will be the only way that you interact with Bitcoin. This will be the, uh, I take that back. It will not be the only way that you interact with Bitcoin. It will be the way that people are onboarded. And Lightning will be ubiquitous. Like the the most powerful wallets that I know of today um, and the ones that I just think have the seamless best experience far and away are the ones that treat Bitcoin and Lightning as the same. So when you receive a Bitcoin transaction, it just automatically puts it in one of these black boxes. So you're you're connected to the internet. So it looks like a normal Bitcoin transaction, like you just gave a Bitcoin address. But now you can make a Bitcoin payment or you can make a Lightning payment. And they, they're just indistinguishable. This is very similar to how TCP IP and the web and stuff advanced is like at the beginning, it's really complicated and you have to do these like custom things to set it up. And, you know, like or email, you had to set up an email server and you're like, what, what the hell is going on? Uh, but then as the UX, as the user experience was kind of sorted out and more development happened, these things just kind of fell away into the background and then they just all kind of merged and it was just the internet experience. And you didn't think about the fact that you're using like all of these different protocols and these different systems and stuff. You're just, you're just using the internet. In that same way, these things are slowly merging and the software, the, the wallet side of things is managing all of this at once and you are able to interact with Bitcoin in all of these different ways and your wallet just knows the difference and you don't have to think about it. So now I want to talk about my favorite lightning tools and some things that are on the horizon and the wallets and how to set one up and, you know, what you need to manage and think about. Um, and uh, uh, we will pause for just a moment while I go get some water and we'll hit our sponsor and then we'll get into some fun stuff. This show is brought to you by Fold, the debit card that pays you sats back on everything in your fiat life. And they have a new setup with the spins and the rewards. So now you get 1% back on every single thing that you purchase, hands down, no questions asked. But every $10 that you spend, 
Every $10 that you spend on a normal payment with your fold card, every $10 you spend on a gift card, every $10 that you spend on buying Bitcoin in the app with no fee gets you a spin. And this spin gets you just the wheel of sats. You can just win any amount of sats from as little as five sats upward to an entire Bitcoin. So there's going to be way, way more chances to spin with a larger variety of what you can get, which I actually think this is a pretty clever system because it's going to lead to a lot of spins for people just doing small everyday purchases so that they don't end up paying out huge amounts with somebody who just got a decent spin on like a $2,000 purchase. I think this setup, at least it looks like it right now, I'm gonna have to experiment with it a lot, um, but this setup is going to be a lot better for the casual user in just getting a lot of sats. And honestly, just getting paid 1% in sats on every single thing that you purchase, that's a pretty freaking great deal. And like I've said, they have made an official partnership with Visa and they are trying to go global. So keep an ear out. I will let you know on this show whenever it happens. And if you haven't checked out Fold yet, you've got to go to bitcoinaudible.com fold, or you can just click on the link right there in the show notes and you're going to get some free sats. You literally can't go wrong with that. All right, let's jump back in. Okay, so let's talk about my favorite lightning wallets and some really great lightning tools. Now, if you have listened to this show at all, there is something referred to uh, that we talk about quite a bit and have read a number of different articles and pieces on called an LSP, a lightning service provider. So think about it very similarly to an internet ISP is that someone connects you to the internet and you know they they give you the internet connection to make sure that you have good uh, bandwidth and you are well connected to every everyone else on the network etc etc you know in that sense AT&T or Time Warner or Comcast whoever it is is doing that job for you so that you don't have to manage your own bandwidth. But technically, you can just kind of connect to, like you can lay out your own wire and connect to somebody else on the network and use them to get to the broader network. But you don't want to do that. There's a lot of headache and you have to run particular software and routers and all of this thing to pull that off. So if you don't want to set up your own, you use an internet service provider. Now, internet service providers suffer from a pretty big problem of centralization because they are geographically centered. Like you have to have a physical wire run to your physical location. So you usually have like two options and they're oftentimes using the exact same wire <laughs> to send their data. You're just connecting to a different hub. Well, just because of the analogy of a lightning service provider to the job of an internet service provider, do not make a mistake of thinking that it has this same restraint. Um, you can use any lightning service provider anywhere in the world at any time. Anybody on the Bitcoin network that wants to offer this service, I could be your lightning service provider. And in fact, I mean, I, I don't offer that service, but I have a node. I actually could, and I could put up a little bit of extra liquidity. And there is now software that can automate me being a lightning service provider and Breeze, the, the 
the service, the the company that basically coined the term and that we have read a number of different pieces from Roy Scheinfeld on the show in the past, even has a, a software that is doing that for uh, lightning service providers. So the ability to be a lightning service provider is going to be e- that even that much better. So technically I could be your lightning service provider if we wanted to. But right now I just, that's not in my um, bucket of things to do at the moment. But the thing is, is that you can pick any lightning service provider anywhere in the world. There's no jurisdictional restriction. There's no geographic restriction. It's just, can you act, can you talk to a Bitcoin address? Who can you write a Bitcoin transaction to? Which is literally anyone on Bitcoin anywhere. Well, then you can open up a lightning channel with them. And changing that relationship or switching to a new lightning service provider or switching to a new node is just writing another Bitcoin transaction. So, so the barrier where the geographic restriction of an internet service provider is running like a cable line or a fiber line across the ground, digging it and burying it down and, you know, setting up a unit on the side of your house and running a piece of uh, a, a specific hardware and software and then them running a hub, like all this craziness. Well, the all of that restriction is just replaced with just making a Bitcoin transaction to connect to anybody in the world. So it'd be like if you could connect, like there's what thousands hundreds of thousands maybe millions of internet service providers all around the world this would be like you could spend 20 cent or 50 cent and wait 10 minutes and you can connect to anyone on the planet as your internet service provider so if anybody tells you that oh it's the lightning service providers are a terrible centralized thing understand that if we had that relationship with the internet the the breakthrough of decentralization and competition would be literally otherworldly. So you're probably just talking to someone who doesn't really have a good grasp of what is going on and they're just kind of finding fault in the analogy rather than the actual thing. You know, analogies only work so far. But on that note, the reason I bring up LSPs is because the best wallets are the ones that have LSPs built into them. And what an LSP does is it just manages those black boxes for you. You still have your keys in those black boxes and the the channels, the lightning channels. Uh, but, you know, when you connect to me, like maybe I just have one other channel and I'm not really well connected to the network, right? Like I could, I could just be kind of a casual user. I might not be online a lot. You know, you don't want to open up a black, you don't want to put funds in with me in one of these black boxes and if I might not be there to update it, you know, then it's just kind of stuck there. And you're like, oh, I got to take it out of this black box. I got to put it in this other one so that, you know, I have a better connection into the Lightning Network. Well, an LSP is somebody who just professionally has a great position in lots of different channels and lots of different connections to other people on the Lightning Network so that you're, you can always send and receive a payment and it just works. And if you ever receive a Bitcoin payment, that will it will automatically um, transfer it, basically convert it to Lightning. Um, they'll take the Bitcoin payment on your behalf and then immediately swap it into your Lightning uh, channel, um, or vice versa. Is that if you scan a Bitcoin address using your Lightning wallet, well, then it will automatically realize that it wants you want to go on chain to to pay somebody. And you will pay them over the Lightning Network and they will send a Bitcoin transaction on your behalf. And thus, Bitcoin and Lightning become the same thing, the same experience. It's just that one has a fee 
that one has a higher fee than the other. But going back to keys and transactions and wallets and everything, largely you have the same experience. You know, when you, when you have a Lightning wallet, you're going to want to write down your seed phrase, just like your Bitcoin, because I mean, ultimately it is a Bitcoin transaction and you need the keys to that, to that Bitcoin address. Well, uh, it's just an address that is live on the network rather than um, an address that is in cold storage. But at the end of the day, you're still just writing down your 12 words or writing down your 24 words so that you still have control over those funds. So Breeze, like I talked about, um, has been a favorite wallet of mine for a really long time. And it's, it's one of the ones that has like the, uh, has a little bit of a delay or a little bit of like a load time when you first open it. Um, but it's because it is the most sovereign. Uh, going back to the idea of a node in Basics Episode 5 is that you are actually running an entire light node in completely on your phone. And more importantly, you are routing, you're finding the route on the Lightning Network, which means that you are figuring out how to make make the payment reach its destination. Whereas in a lot of other content, like the ones that operate a little bit faster because they're not so computationally intensive on your phone, your phone isn't doing the work, somebody else is doing the work for you. Um, uh, a lot of these mobile wallets in particular will route for you. So, you know, rather than your computer trying to ping everybody on the network to figure out how to get to Starbucks, you know, because it has to ping like I would have to ping you and be like, do you have a route? And then you ping Bob and then Bob pings Starbucks. Well, I might fan out to like 10 different nodes or whatever that I'm connected to. And then it's just the one that it's the route that you have that finally gets me to Starbucks. Well, that means that my uh, phone has to do a whole lot of communication, has to ping a bunch of people and, you know, do some calculations and all this stuff. So it's kind of, it's doing quite a bit of work. And more importantly, it has to store that information. So, and for 70,000, 80,000, 100,000 nodes and channels and all of these things, that can be a lot of data to parse through. However, in just much like running a node, a full node on Bitcoin um, is fully private in the sense that you're running the, you're downloading my example that I gave in uh, episode five is uh, that it's like downloading the entire Google maps that the whole database just to be able to securely know that your address is correctly in the entire world database and that any any time that you want to uh, look up any address or any directions to anything that you do so sovereignly that Google doesn't know what you asked for or doesn't know which addresses are interesting or that you have been to or anything like that because you've downloaded the entire Google Maps well in that same way uh, a uh, a mobile wallet for Lightning that is sovereign, like Breeze, is trying to download and keep a map of the entire Lightning network. So you are deciding which channels to use and which nodes to connect to and like all of these things. And because of that, nobody knows where your payment is going uh, specifically. So with Breeze, I can pay through Breeze and they can be my LSP, but... Uh, I pay to Breeze, I pay to you, I pay to Bob, I pay to Starbucks. Breeze doesn't know that it went to Starbucks. Breeze has an encrypted package that, with a payment in it that goes to you. And it may know, or actually it doesn't. It, it 
could end at you. It could go another step to Bob or somebody else. Or it could all go to Starbucks. It could go past Starbucks. They don't know. It's basically an encrypted envelope that just unwraps the next piece of the puzzle when it reaches the next person. So Breeze, all they ever see is that it came from me and it went to you. And that's because I am doing the routing on my local computer. Now, in something like Phoenix Wallet, uh, which is one that I really, really like, um, it is another LSP uh, designed wallet or whatever where you're using a company called Async, um, but it is sovereign. You hold your own keys, and so you can't, nobody can steal your money. It's not a custodial wallet. However, uh, the company, the LSP, is doing the routing for you. So they know where your payments are going to, unless you use like a fancy tool, like a, a, a wrapped payment, like which is like a service that you'd get somewhere else. But I mean, it's just like, it's like a VPN or something, thinking about the internet. Um, like your ISP normally knows that you're connecting to Google because your ISP is helping you connect to Google. But if you use a VPN, all they see is an encrypted tunnel to a VPN and where you're going elsewhere on the internet uh, is not, they don't, they don't know anything about it. It's just encrypted traffic. In that same way that there are these sorts of tools for lightning, um, they're not like widely used yet um, or widely available. And it's not really like a huge concern if you're just doing like normal everyday payments. Like, I don't know. I like, I don't mind that Phoenix knows that I'm zapping people on Noster. Like I'm much more worried in that situation. Like this is like a, I think about this as a hot wallet um, with a light client. Uh, this is, this is cash. This is, this is cash in my pocket. This is day to day normal expenditures and things. And more specifically, this is my mobile wallet. But like I said, I really like Phoenix. My go-to, I emptied my Breeze, by the way. The reason I'm not using Breeze right now is because Roy told me uh, we were talking and they've just released their SDK and they've, they've uh, got a whole bunch of new things that are happening and they're doing an entire overhaul of how the wallet works and how the node spins up and all of that stuff that's going to be way, way better for performance. And it's really exciting. Um, I will link to that episode with the SDK um, explanation and announcement so that you can kind of get a grasp of what they're talking about. But because of that, I'm, I'm waiting to try out the new Breeze wallet because they're basically redesigning it. But the current Breeze wallet still works. I, I, I wouldn't advise against it. I, it was still has been one of my favorite for a really long time. But the one that I have used more often than any other at the moment is Phoenix. I am a big fan of that wallet. Obviously, link to these things will be in the show note. Now, one that you will probably hear about a lot because it gives you um, a what's referred to as a lightning address. This has become really, really popular on Noster, on the social media um, uh, thing that we talk about, uh, is Wallet of Satoshi, which is a really great wallet. Um, I'm, I'm a really big fan and more specifically, they give you a lightning address, which lets you pay rather than having an invoice. So when you make a lightning payment, you basically have to detail out all the, all the instructions and you give routing hints as well. So like when you give, when you're scanning like a QR code, uh, for someone to pay them, um, it's just got a whole bunch of data about how to find their node, about the payment details and all that sort of stuff, but it's a one-time thing. So after you scan and make that payment, it's expired. You can't use it again. So because of that, 
with Bitcoin, I can just post an address somewhere with a QR code and anybody can tip me or send me Bitcoin however they like. Uh, but with Lightning, if I post an invoice, the first person who uses it makes it invalid, makes it not work anymore. So there is another tool that is built on top of it. Just one of the you know, many ways that you make it so that you can interact with Lightning is a Lightning address, which is basically like a web address. Um, I mean, it looks like an email address, basically. Um, mine is dreadedvault58 at walletofsatoshi.com. And this is something that they host for me, but it basically makes it like, I didn't pick that one, it's just randomly generated. Um, but uh, it allows you to send a payment to me or me to send a payment to you. Like for instance, uh, one of the people that I got uh, set up at Clean Juice, um, who I tip uh, all the time, is Handy Flute 35 But that just means that I can type in Handy Flute 30, <laughs> Handy Flute 35 at walletofsatoshi.com and just pay them at any point. And basically, I can have that QR code. In fact, that's what I did on Noster, is I posted it on Noster with just a QR code of that Lightning address, and then anybody can send it to her. The problem with that is, is that it's custodial. So they are holding your coins in this instance. But for a small amount of uh, money, that's not that big of a deal. If you're just dabbling in Lightning, and you just want to have a little bit on hand, so that you can zap somebody on Noster, so that you can buy a little bit of here, a little a little something here, or get a gift card or whatever it is, and you're you're just being casual. Understand that it is a custodial wallet. Understand that you don't hold the keys to this, but it's perfectly fine to use Wallet of Satoshi, um, to get an you know easy setup. I mean, I mean it takes seconds. It literally takes seconds. I was in uh, thirty seconds in Clean Juice setting them up. And then sending my initial tip. That's a really great experience. Now, Phoenix, which is non-custodial, doesn't take that long either. It takes literally just a few seconds. But you do need to remember to back up your seed words. So if you skip that step during the initial setup, well, that could be bad. Because you might not be able to get your coins back. So what I like to do, especially like getting people onboarded, uh, Wallet of Satoshi is a great entry door. Like it's a great first step to just kind of explore it, check it out. And in fact, um, if you're on Noster or uh, maybe maybe I'll, I need to check my uh, fountain messages. Good Lord, I haven't checked my boost over there in ages. Um, uh, but uh, if you are over there, if you send it to me, I will try to look through and I might zap you. So if you get on Wallet of Satoshi, you just download it on Android or iOS, I will zap you some sats. Same if you get on Noster, and which is a whole other thing. Uh, you have to make a private key there as well. Uh, you know, cryptography, man. You gotta, you gotta have good backups, and you gotta keep your keys safe. But I will happily zap you if you uh, share your Lightning address, and I notice it. it. There's a mixed bag there. I've, I'm so behind on messages and boosts and DMs and everything. I'm so sorry to everybody if you've sent me a message and I haven't responded. Uh, but it's just been a mountain to keep up with, and I've been behind on so many other things that I've just kind of dreaded. I've just avoided going back to it because I know it's a mountain of work. So please forgive me. And actually, on that note, a Fountain is another great place where you can use and or have a wallet with Bitcoin and Lightning. So Fountain is a podcasting app where 
you can boost and even post content to receive boosts. Like I use that, like I have my account over there and it's connected to my lightning. Uh, it's, it's like a lightning address is a little bit different. It's called key send, but it's same functionally the same idea really. But I put it in my podcast feed and people can literally stream sats to the podcast using the fountain app. Or if they hear a particularly uh, ranty spot that they like in my show, they can boost it. They can save a little clip or whatnot. And I can actually, you know, like their comments and things. And I can basic, basically, it's a little bit like Noster zapping. Like I can zap their comments. I can zap other people's shows. Like I can do it for Marty Bent's show and Citadel Dispatch and Linux Unplugged. Just a bunch of these podcasts that set this up. And this is another cool way to use it. Like, you know, really where it has, uh, Lightning has been able to shine for, um, uh, for all of these online payments and these networks. And like Zebedee is another great one is being able to do this in game so that you can literally implement Lightning into video games that already exist and make it so that you can like, like every time you shoot somebody, like you're in a tournament or whatever. And every time like you shoot somebody, you get like five sats. If you kill them, you get 250 sats or something. And and you can literally have like buy-ins in a competition. And then people can earn sats back by how well they perform. But micropayments have really been a fascinating way to utilize the Lightning Network. Because it's something that you can't do with anything else. You can't do like a bunch of one cent or two cent payments on Visa, whereas on Lightning, sure, go to town. So Fountain is another great way to utilize this. Noster, obviously the social media, we talk about that quite a bit on the show lately. Um, another easy way to send zaps and uh, and also earn it. You know, shit post on Noster, post a good name or something, you'll probably get a few zat, uh, sats. Oh, in fact, on that note, another really, really great tool that especially if you use desktop, um, in fact, I wonder if, let me go to getalbi.com. So Albi is a browser extension and it has so many different, like great features for, uh, it's an incredibly versatile wallet. And now it's not actually like, it's not like Phoenix or Breeze and that you're running your own node or anything. Uh, but it does have a custodial wallet option with an Albi account, which is a lot like Wallet of Satoshi. And you also get an address just like um, Wallet of Satoshi gives you so that you can you know, receive payment from anybody if you just give them your address, like an email address. But it's genuinely one of the best browser integrations that I have seen with Lightning. And I have used a bunch of them uh, in the past, and I basically have switched over. I just use Albi like everywhere. I love this tool, um, and you can connect all sorts of wallets to it. So if you're running your own node and you have a BTC Pay server, you can control it with Albi. You can connect to it with Albi, and you'll just have multiple accounts. Like I have my custodial account, I have my BTC Pay server, I have my Umbral node, I have my Embassy node, and these all have separate balances. And I can just connect. I can just select which one I'm using, and I can zap from it. Like so, when I'm in like the social media, the, the Noster, and uh, I, I'm in the Noster when I'm on Noster and uh, I want to zap somebody, um, I, I just literally just click on it and it pings my Albi extension, pops right up, and I say, pay, and that's it. But also it lets you, and I wish if the Albi guys actually listen to this, I wish this was a little bit more prominent or a little bit um, 
more obvious somehow somehow it confuses me the couple of times i've done this i mean it's not like crazy confusing but somehow i naturally do the take the wrong path trying to figure out how to plug in my noster key and it is actually really simple there's like hardly anything to it but for some reason my brain naturally wants to go a different path when i'm looking for it um but uh Regardless, uh, Albi makes it insanely easy to just plug in your Noster key. Um, this is, you know, unlocking your account in this social media universe into the browser extension so that you can go to any client or any website um, on your desktop computer, but you don't have to constantly paste that key around, which is obviously dangerous, which is obviously like not a very good secure practice. So if you are on Noster, not only is Albi a wonderful lightning wallet um, and a great custodial lightning option as well, um, and great for plugging in, like, again, talking about basics node, uh, basics five uh, episode with the nodes, is if you are running an Umbral or an Embassy or a MyNode or Raspy Blitz, whatever it is, you can use Albi as kind of like your front end like you, you can use it as the wallet so that you can connect to your computer uh, to your node and then just make payments and receive payments just straight in a uh, your internet browser with just a little extension i am certain that btc sessions has a tutorial video on it um so i'll find it and uh link it in the show notes and i'll also link to our episode on noster if you are interested in going down that rabbit hole not only do we have decentralized money, not only do we have decentralized, non-custodial, global, censorship-resistant payment networks, but also Bitcoiners are building uh, censorship-resistant social media. So that's something also to check out if you want to go down that rabbit hole. Um, it's, it's a great way to utilize a Lightning, like if you have Wallet of Satoshi, um, uh, it's a great thing to do with it. Um, and then I want to hit a couple of more servers. I don't want to just like go through and just like read all of my wallets that I have on my phone because there are a lot of great ones. There's Bitcoin Beach, which I think just rebranded a blink. I can't find it right now. Um, then uh, there's uh, uh, there's Blixed Wallet. That one also has a LSP model. It's a little bit like Phoenix in that way. Moon is similar in that way. M-U-U-N. Oh, let's see, though. There's some couple of ones that I... Oh, oh, Zeus. Zeus. Zeus is a highly recommended one, and it is uh, it's a really good one for controlling your node, um, like as a front-end. Like, Zeus doesn't actually have, like, a custodial service or an LSP itself, but if you run a node, if you have your own Lightning set up somewhere, like on Voltage, or you have a BTC Pay server or something like that, Zeus is a great one to control... It's kind of like Albi in that you're, you're controlling it from a different location. Uh, that's a great tool for that on mobile. And then one that I, I think we should keep an eye on that I am really excited about and I have used primarily for Bitcoin now. Um, in fact, I still don't think Lightning is available for the U.S., um, but they're going to have an LSP model. It is called BitKit, um, and there is a lot going on there um that is really interesting and unique um but uh, a little bit more than to get in on this show in fact we had an entire episode on it so i will i will find that one is with uh, john carvalla um 
And I'll have that one in the show notes as well. So there's lots of lots of digging that you can do. There's lots of great apps. And I'll have links so that you can just explore if you would like. And like I said, if you get a lightning address at GitAlby or with Wallet of Satoshi uh, by using either one of those um, and you share it with me, I am happy to zap you a few sats. Now, if you're trying to get Bitcoin that is on the Lightning Network, Swan Bitcoin has, it is on their plan to have it out this year to actually have a Lightning wallet. So when that happens, it probably ends up, especially with the Swan app, if, it, if it's available in the app, uh, that'll probably be my main way to get onto Lightning. But right now what I'm using is three services that you can use. Uh, I use Strike probably more than anything. Uh, Cash App, which a lot of you may already have, uh, has integrated Lightning. It's a little bit hard to find. You have to kind of like go through the uh, interface, but it's there. It's not, it's not so hard. Just go to the Bitcoin tab. And when you hit send or receive, uh, you'll just, it'll just say Bitcoin or Lightning as either option. Then River has uh, Lightning as well. If I am, yes, no, yeah, River definitely has Lightning. And then I believe Bull Bitcoin does. I hear Francis... Uh, their CEO talking about Lightning uh, quite a bit, and I'm pretty sure that's because they integrated it. Uh, but I don't know that one for sure, and I scanned the website and I didn't see it. So don't quote me on that one. And there are a number of other ones, uh, Bitfinex, Kraken, as far as like exchanges go. Coinbase has even said they're going to do it. Um, I would not use Coinbase, so I do not recommend them. But more and more, Lightning is becoming widely integrated. Probably the quickest is strike if you're trying to get from your bank account straight to your lightning wallet um uh, after setting that one up that one basically has the fewest barriers and i use strike one of the one of the reasons i one of the main things i started using strike for is for like one-off purchases and i don't i don't like purchase bitcoin in it i i make a send a dollar balance to strike and then you can send lightning payments out so you can just send a lightning payment to yourself or you can pay for a gift card over fold straight from your strike wallet your which will look like it's in dollars but it just speaks bitcoin and lightning now obviously this is a full all three of these or all of these that i mentioned here are kyc bank integration service uh, services and they're all custodial until you move the coins to yourself they simply have lightning as an integration so obviously you have to go to a centralized service basically to integrate with fiat but the really cool thing is that you just get to go straight from your bank account to lightning and you can withdraw a little bit you can send some from strike to wallet of satoshi you can send some from uh, or to Phoenix Wallet, you can send it to uh, a your own personal node set up through Zeus. You can send it to your GitAlby account, all of these things. And also, just another way that you can actually use it, like if you get a bunch of zaps or tips or something because you post it somewhere, if you want to use those, if you want to purchase something with them, an easy thing to do that I do pretty frequently is fold gift cards. Like I only, I not only do them with fold um with like my fold card but you can also just buy them buy the gift cards with a lightning wallet just just using bitcoin and you still get sats back by the way not quite as much as using the fold card but you do earn you do still earn sats and get a discount 
and then a few others on that front with the gift cards that I like and have uh, and or have been around for a long time are the Bitcoin Co, the Bitcoin company, and um, uh, BitRefill. BitRefill has been around for a really long time. In fact, John Carvalho used to be with BitRefill. But they both also offer, um, uh, I mean, between all three of them, it's an enormous selection of gift cards for all kinds of merchants. Um, and all of them give sats back. They all give basically discounts or rewards in sats. Uh, it's just that Fold, I'm pretty sure Fold has the most, has the highest among the whole crew. But yeah, that's probably enough to cover that can get you started um, and just kind of making use of it. Oh, another really cool thing actually, and this makes it for a phenomenal resource, is Stacker News. This is essentially, this is a little bit like a Reddit front page, except instead of upvotes determining what the best content is, it's actual sats. So you actually kind of have skin in the game. It's not, it's a whole lot harder to game. And because of that, it becomes a really good news resource because essentially the best stuff floats to the top. But you know, another really great thing actually is if you go to get Albi and you get that browser extension on your desktop, um, there is actually a tab when you click on like the settings or you just go to the little interface. There's a tab called Discover and it's actually just got like a lot of different places that you can go and places that you can spend uh, 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 sats and also receive them. And then on top of that, it also has some Noster resources and different clients that you can check out. Really, there's a, there's a lot there. It's even got some explorers. Um, if you do get Albi, that's actually a really great way to just kind of like enter. You have the custodial wallet. Um, you've got it on your, if you're a desktop user and you tend to integrate through the browser, um, that's probably the go-to. So I'll say for best on the browser or best on the desktop and that will get you the quickest account and setup is Albi. Go to getalbi.com. Then absolute fastest for mobile that will get you a lightning address, but is custodial. Well, Albi, the default for Albi is custodial too, um, would be Wallet of Satoshi. However, I would withdraw both of those from the custodial to something like Phoenix if you ever had enough to be concerned about that you want to feel like is you are more in control of and that you have your keys and that if, you know, a company ran away with your money or something... And if you've got more than 40 or 50 bucks in there, you should just hold your own keys and use something like the Phoenix or Breeze Wallet. Honestly, that's probably a little bit too much, but I will have all the links in the show notes so you can check any of those out. And I encourage you to start with just a little bit, um, maybe get on Strike or Cash App if you already have it, and buy some Bitcoin and withdraw over Lightning to some wallet, $5, $10, and just go play play around. It's fun. And when you don't have a whole lot of money at risk, it's easier to do a lot more and do it casually, you know? And speaking of things that you can do with it, um, I'm going to read some boost today since I forgot that I'm way behind on this. Uh, just got a boost in from Raya Chart. Uh, I nearly went blind trying to read this. So this is a history of Bitcoin maximalism yesterday's episode with Law. Uh, Lops piece says, thank you for reading it to me, 500 sats. You are welcome for reading it to you. It's, I do that. I, I, I have that happen on this show sometimes. Um, Owen Lewis boosts 2,222 sats. 
uh, another a history of Bitcoin maximalism. This one was a really interesting one. Glad you covered it. I had no clue about the history behind maximalism. Yeah, it's a pretty, it's a, been a pretty wild ride. And 2222, that's a good stats number, man. Michael Machuleff, what is up, man? Just a, just a, a shout out to Michael, actually. He posts my, I, I see his post quite a bit on Noster sharing out my podcast episodes. And I do not take any time really I, I do not promote the show very well um outside of like g- people ask me it's like well where can people find you when i go on like another podcast and i'm like oh bitcoin audible that's literally it is i go on other podcasts i don't promote anything hardly at all i think i've spent a total of like 50 dollars on marketing my memes are my marketing so understand that i feel like this is a very uh a very poorly managed part of bitcoin audible and michael I, I noticed that you share it out and I do really appreciate that. In fact, anybody who wants to share out episodes of this podcast that you found uh, useful, uh, that's a really great free way to help out the show, to support the show. And it isn't arbitrary. It isn't like, oh, well, that doesn't really matter. It does matter. It does. And it helps a lot. I do really appreciate that. Um, and then also, Michael uh, boosted in with 500 sats on guys takes 55 banks digital money and a cat with fire emoji i agree and then a heart emoji on 716 michael thanks buddy another 500 sats how to fix banking and money private digital currency versus cbdc that was a good one uh 100 sats. I have to get to a beef steak. Thanks, guy, for making me insanely hungry. Mark the BTC guy. You are welcome. Dude, that beef steak. That's good stuff. Um, 719, all you can eat of uh, the beef steak one. 2100 sats. Rowdy Hodel. What's up, man? Guy rarely, show, guy rarely goes nostalgic on us. Damn, this was a fascinating walk to the past. What a great find. Phenomenal illustration of a great tradition. Um, Michael, 500 sats again. Dude, you gotta stop giving me your sats. I mean, I mean, don't don't do that. Keep giving me your sats, your sats. Clear and present danger. Read seven fifteen. We got a Walter Block quote. Uh, this one really good. It says to override the right of free speech for any reason is a dangerous precedent and never necessary. The rights of theater patrons can be protected without legally prohibiting free speech. The issue is not the right of free speech, but the obligation to honor a contract. Walter Block. Great find on that quote. Uh, Matulef on Basics Episode 5. Onwards toward a node world order. Amen. The node world order. That was a good that was a good read. I kind of forgot about that one. Uh, Jimmy Sats boosts in with a thousand sats. Any Kiwis or Aussies wanna throw one? All you can eat for oh, talking about a beefsteak. I mean we have some of the best meat in the world. Great episode, guy. So okay, so Jimmy Sats, uh hit Jimmy Sats up if you're a kiwi or an aussie and you want to want to throw a beefsteak uh gert boosted 2500 sats one day one day i'm gonna get to one of those uh all you can hold for five bucks again beefsteak fourth at user eight six blah 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 boosted four thousand sats on bitcoin does not waste electricity 718 thanks guy thank you sir um orange pill what's up all you can hold for five bucks. Beefsteak again, 2100 sats. I don't know what this one is about, but you deserve sats anyways. Promise I'll listen tomorrow. <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, how to wreck a big old GSIB read seven, uh, 17. 
Tesla Liberty Boost 2000 sats. So good. It was good. That was a serious one. Susan jumps in with 100 sats on the same episode. It is bizarre how many people in the U.S. honestly believe China or Russia want to destroy Western civilization. I do not expect you to be one of them. From the side, it is obvious you're, you've all been affected by decades of U.S. propaganda. All China and Russia want is to be left alone by meddling U.S. interests. That's a fair argument. That may be the case. U.S. exceptionalism, assuming U.S. has the right to interfere with everyone's internal affairs, is a shameless ideology, and the arrogance of those subscribing to it is why the entire world hates the u.s i mean that's that's probably pretty fair but uh the fact that you're suggesting that the entire world hates the u.s is a likely indication that the u.s has enemies and i think there's a perfectly good reason why that could be the case um i mean you could have said the same thing about the middle east they just want to be left alone but the government didn't leave them alone and then you know the twin towers and I certainly hope you were right. I certainly hope uh, the how to wreck a big old globally systemic important bank. I hope that doesn't happen. And maybe it won't. Like, I'm not I'm not saying that it will, but it could. We've left ourselves insanely vulnerable because of a corrupt, completely irresponsible financial system and monetary foundation that is a disaster. And other countries are trying to get away from it. So my opinion is perfectly rational to assume, and this is not like, understand like talking about like um, US exceptionalism and all this stuff. Like I'm not saying that US is the one, everybody who's jealous and you know, wants to be us and all this stuff. Like I'm not saying that, I'm saying that like we've made a terrible mistake and we've set up a garbage system that is vulnerable to international, to conflict, to military conflict from anyone. I mean, China might not want to destroy the US, but what if the US starts a war with China? All the more reason to think these people have lost their freaking minds because they're literally like kind of putting that out on the table and they don't seem to have any restraint about it. Um, didn't mean to rant about it. Appreciate the sats and actually really great comment, Susan. I, that was, that's a really good point. But I also like that episode in that read. Um, <laughs> uh, Sunrod boosted in a hundred sats. More good stuff. Thanks, guy. Guys take 65. Banks, digital money, and a cat. Thank you, Sunrod. I appreciate those sets. Okay, that's as far as it lets me scroll. Um, uh, we will uh, get back to... I know that I've missed some because this is only like the last handful of episodes. But I do want to just say thank you all for your sats and for your boosts. And I'm sorry that my messages and my attention to the boosts have been lacking of late. Just been busy. And when I don't know what to do... I usually just kind of get on the microphone and start recording something. It's funny, I have used the podcast as a way to avoid other work now, which is probably a pretty productive way to procrastinate, right? So with that, I got to get some other work done. Uh, thank you guys so much. I hope uh, this makes a little bit more sense out of the Lightning Network. Remember that right down in the description of this episode... There will be plenty of links for all the things that you can check out. If you are on a browser, uh, like on the internet, you can just click right there on getalbi.com to get the browser extension. If you're on mobile, you can have a wallet of Satoshi set up in literally 20, 30 seconds. Um, and if you have cash app, it takes no time at all to, you know, add a little cash to your, uh, to the app, buy some Bitcoin and withdraw it over lightning to your Phoenix wallet, to wallet of Satoshi, to, 
Stacker News to Fountain and boost the episode. Get some gift cards on fold with some sats back. Get used to it. It's a lot of fun and it's the future. With that, don't forget to check out our amazing sponsors. Thank you to Swan Bitcoin uh, for being the best onboarding service out there. To CoinKite for keeping my Bitcoin safe. And for the tap signer, because it's just cool. And Fold for all the sats back. And I love that I'm just going to have like spins like freaking crazy now. And 1% base, I, th- I really think this is going to, I like this setup. We're gonna we're gonna give it a run for a couple of weeks and see how how it plays out. But I kind of like this setup. You can check out all of our amazing sponsors. Also, right in the show notes. God, the convenience. I'm. You're so welcome. And I will catch you on the next episode of Bitcoin Audible. Until then, everybody, take it easy, guys. Nobody ever figures out what life is all about, and it doesn't matter. Explore the world. Nearly everything is really interesting if you go into it deeply enough. Richard Feynman This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.